Well, let me be the uh, maybe last person to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Hope that you had a great uh, Thanksgiving, especially those of you up at our North Campus. Happy uh, late Thanksgiving to you. I hope you guys have a great uh, service. Um, You guys have a good time. Uh, worshiping the Lord, uh, hearing from him through uh, what God's put before us today uh, in the chapel. Uh, good to be with you with you all as well. And for those of you also in, in Sprecher, in live, you may be noticing that I'm not there in person, and I, I wish I could be, but uh, traveling back from Thanksgiving with my family, and I, I wanted to finish out our generosity series and be with you, and uh, we want to uh, be safe and not sorry, and so we're uh, just recording the message. And so for those of you in the front rows, you don't have to worry about me, me spitting on you, uh, because that will be very difficult to do via, uh, video. Uh, but it's still really, really good to be with you. So I know, especially in, in Spricker live here, you're not used to this. Uh, but, uh, hopefully you're still, uh, dialed in listening, learning, because I think what God has for us as we finish out this series is going to be really, really really profound. Those of you watching online and listening, uh, it is always the same for you. Good to be with you as well, wherever you find yourself listening to, to this. My name is, is RD. I'm one of the pastors here on, on staff and good to, good to be with you. Finishing up our series on contagious generosity. And if you haven't been with us, if you're a guest, a visitor, you're here out of town, uh, we were finishing a three-week series on generosity. Uh, on being people who are who are generous in all kinds of all kinds of ways, from our wallets to to our homes, um, to our time, to our prayers, uh, to our energy, all kinds of ways that we're being we're being generous. And our, our final message in this three week series is called the paradox of generosity. Uh, that it's more blessed to give than receive, and we're going to unpack that throughout the message and kind of wrap this whole series up. If, if you're new to Door Creek or it's your first time here or you've been in and out of this series, uh, then our first two weeks we uh, talked about the barriers to generosity and there Mark just kind of laid out what, what are the barriers to being a generous people. And we talked about uh, whether it's, it's fear or our possessions or things of this earth that just uh, ha- have the, the grip on us and so we're unable to be as generous as God is calling us to be and how we can break through that by coming back to the gospel, coming back to the generosity generosity of Jesus, uh, and that being the fuel for us to be a generous people. And then last week I talked about uh, the heart of generosity and how uh, it's grace alone which creates a heart of generosity that, that changes the heart. We looked at the church in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and we said this church was a generous church because it's made up of people whose hearts had been changed by the grace of Jesus. But not only is it a heart of generosity that's created by grace, it's sustained by grace. Right, Because grace can create a moment where you want to give, but then you may not always keep giving, right? And so you give at Christmas or you give when the church says give, but then you're just no longer compelled to give because you had a great experience of grace, but then it goes away because you're not continuing to encounter the grace of Jesus. And so for us to be continually generous people, we have to continually be experiencing the generosity of Jesus in the grace of Jesus. It's not just a one-time moment and say, okay, I came to faith in Christ, now I'm gonna be generous because of that one moment. Well, yes, that should fuel your life, but to keep coming back to the grace of Jesus fuels a life of generosity. 
And then in the last part of last week, we just said, what results from a life of generosity? And we went through um, thanksgiving to, to God, the blessing of the people around us, our own joy, right? And we, we kind of use the illustration of kind of our, our hands as a metaphor for our hearts are clenched. And I had all of you clench your hands. And hopefully none of you got cramps from doing that. And I said that this is how we, we live especially before we come to know Jesus, but even afterwards. And that in fear, sometimes we can let maybe a pinky go, right? But then we, we bring it right back. And yet what would it look like if we just opened up our hands to the living God, our wallets, our homes, our, our hearts, our lives, and said, Lord, um, this is all yours, and we want to be people who just live like this. And it's only grace in the gospel which allows you to not do this and to live a life like really, truly actually live like this, and you're no longer afraid to live like that. And so that was the heart of generosity. And so this, as we wrap up this week, we're looking at the paradox of, of generosity. Why is it more blessed to give than receive? And we'll be spending time in Acts chapter 20, where Paul kind of gives his final farewell to the elders, the leaders of the church in, um, in Ephesus. In 2013, Americans gave $339 billion to charity. 339 billion to charity, right? That seems like a lot. Churches were the greatest recipients of that, of that giving. You're thinking that's very generous. That's very uh, over the top. Well, in 2013, Americans gave 781 billion during Christmas, right? So that kind of underscores that, well, we were generous. 339 billion is a lot of money, but at Christmas time, $781 billion went out during the Christmas time holidays, which is not wrong. It's not wrong because in a way you're giving, you're giving to loved ones, you're giving to ones that you, that you care about. But clearly there's a discrepancy between the giving that Americans do to charity of all kinds and the giving that we do at Christmas time or other parts of the year. Christian Smith, Michael Emerson, and Patricia Snell in their book, Passing the Plate, report that the average churchgoer gives 2.5% of their income to the local church. 2.5%, the average, the average churchgoer. So there are many that give nothing, they give absolutely nothing, and there are many which give a lot. But on average, if you break it all down, it's about 2.5% of their, their pre-tax income they give to the local church. And what they found is that individuals and families earning less than $10,000 a year give at a higher percentage than those making over $70,000, which is amazing. Right? If you're making less than $10,000 a year, you are more likely to give more percentage of your income to the local church than if you're making over $70,000 a year. And they find this is true in all kinds of ways. People who, who receive less money actually give more of it away which is a whole other message in and of itself. The, the, the truth of it is that we, um, we live in the paradox of kind of American culture, where uh, for us, all of us give, right? All of us give to something. No one here is not in some sense generous. No one here is not in some sense giving to something. All of us give, right? We give money to pay for our house. We give money to pay for bills. We give money for birthday parties, right? We give money to go on vacation. Um, uh, we give and give and give. All of the money that comes in, it goes somewhere to our savings account. Uh, it doesn't just kind of hang somewhere. All of us use the money that God uh, provides for us, and we give it somewhere. We distribute it somewhere. We deploy it somewhere. 
But in kind of American Western culture, it's more like, well, let's, let's give this money in order to receive personal fulfillment or personal happiness. And so most of our giving, you know, and most of kind of marketing advertising says, hey, give here, give your money here, give your time here. And what you're going to get back, what you're going to earn back is going to bless you. It's, it's going to make you happy. It's going to fulfill you. And it becomes basically about you right? It's giving in a sense, but you're giving in order that you would benefit from it in an unhealthy way. And that's kind of the paradox that you give away, you give your time or your money to this, this, or that. And yet what you're going to receive is your personal happiness. And if you're not being happy, you've got to find something else to give to, or you've got to give at a higher level, right? And that's kind of the culture that we live in. Right? We give time, treasure, talents, affection to receive fulfillment and pleasure and happiness. And so what we need to do is understand what is the biblical um, understanding of the paradox of generosity. Where do we start here? Well, we don't want to start with, with, with where we're giving, but we want to start with what we're receiving. Right? Because you cannot give away what you do not possess. You cannot give away what's not already a part of who you are. If you haven't received something, you cannot give it away. Right? You cannot actually give it away if you have not received. And so what we want to just remind ourselves again is that as followers of Jesus, what have we received from God? And it's grace, right? It's, it's the gospel. We must continually remind ourselves of this. And Paul is going to pick this up in Acts chapter 20, verses 32 through 35. You have a Bible, just turn there. Acts chapter 20, 32 through 35. This is Paul the apostle, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus and the elders, right, the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And this is kind of his final final discourse to them, his last words, if you will, to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. They're going to be um, the people who are leading this church. And this is what Paul has to say to them as he leaves them. Verse 32, Paul says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so there's the paradox there, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so Paul is going to bring out three things here. Number one, he's saying, remember the gospel of grace, guys. Know your true inheritance. Do not move away from, do not be shifted from the gospel of grace. Secondly, he's going to say, I've modeled a life of generosity to you. I've modeled what it means to be a giving, generous follower of Jesus. Always giving and especially giving to the poor. And thirdly, he's just going to sum it all up and say it's more blessed to give than receive. Right? That's kind of the last words that Paul says to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. He could say anything. Whatever, I mean, kind of last words are really where you try and sum up everything about what you think life is all about. And Paul says, here's how I'm going to sum it up. It's more blessed to give than receive because these are the words of Jesus. And so the first thing he says is that, hey, guys, remember the gospel of grace. That's verse 32. Now I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
He's saying, guys, you, you, you will not give away grace. You will not give away the riches of the gospel, the love of Jesus, if you do not keep coming back to it again and again and again. Because our tendency, even as followers of Jesus, is that we begin to move away from it, right? We're on it. We wouldn't necessarily say we're moving away from it, but we can just begin to move into other things, right? And so we come to church, we participate in church, but the grace of Jesus is not really penetrating our hearts. It's not, it's not sinking into our bones. And so then we become about other things. We become about ministry, right? Or we become about church attendance, or we become about just being very moral people, right? Or we become about being successful. We become about all of these things and we forget about becoming people formed into the image of Jesus. And that's where things begin to go crazy. And so Paul says, you have to remember the gospel of grace. That's your true inheritance. That's the only thing you can take with you, right? Every, guys, listen, everything else in this life you cannot take with you. All of it, all of it will be taken away. John Piper famously says, you don't see any U-Hauls behind a hearse, Right? You cannot take anything with you. And so Paul says, though, this is your true inheritance. This is the foundation for who you are. The church you're building in Ephesus, it needs to be based on the riches of God's love for us. Titus chapter um, 3 says uh, this, verses 3 through, um, three through 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. Circle the word generously poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want, you, I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. God is exceedingly uh, generous. He is exceedingly generous. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, guys, he is so generous. He has poured out into your hearts the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. He's given that to you. And the Holy Spirit is always directing our hearts to Jesus, to look at him, to magnify him, to see his preciousness, to see that he is our only treasure. And the Holy Spirit poured out into our hearts when we come to faith in Christ. And Paul says, God saved us because he saved us, because he wants us in the family. He doesn't save us because of the good things we've done. He doesn't save us because of how awesome you are, how special you are, how much money you give, right? You can give away all the money you want in the world. That is not why God has rescued you or saved you or he delights in you. He has saved you because he desires to save you and rescue you because he is merciful and kind. I love that one. The kindness and love of God is revealed in Jesus and his life given up for us. And Jesus, right, is poured out for us. And then the spirit is poured into us generously by God, helping us always keeping coming back to what is of first importance, the gospel of God's grace for us in Christ. Listen, if we are not consuming that grace, if we're not inhaling that grace, then we are going to be exhaling all kinds of nonsense, all kinds of craziness. It's so important 
because it's so easy to begin consuming other things, to begin eating other things, to begin delighting in other things, and we, we quit consuming the grace of Jesus, and then we can't, we can't export anything. We can't do it. You cannot give away what you do not have. We have this inheritance, and so we can give it, we can give it away. Well, secondly, Paul says that, that I've modeled this life of generosity, always giving especially to the poor. Right? Paul's been a model, and so leaders of the church, of, of Door Creek, right? we want to model generosity. We want to be people who are, who are giving outrageously in our time, in our finances, um, uh, in our prayers for you, laboring for you in prayer. This is a, something that I, I want to be doing, right? And I talked about kind of my journey last week of God really challenging me and saying, Ardy, yeah, you give. And, and, and in some ways, maybe you're generous, but you're not, you're not generous in the sense of the gospel generosity. And how, how can you grow and become more generous in that way? And so I've really been praying, and Emily and I have been talking about what it looked like to really be outrageously, doesn't make sense, except for Jesus rose from the dead generous. You know what I mean? Like people look at you and say, why are you that generous? And we just say, because Jesus got up out of the grave. And he's given us all of these things, and we know he'll always take care of us. That's why. We just trust. We just trust. And that's what we're pressing, that, that we would become more and more like that. And so I, I want to be praying for you, for this church, that we would reflect that more and more. So I want to be generous in my prayers, generous in my time. And as the leaders of the church, right, like the Ephesian elders of the church in Ephesus, Paul's saying, I modeled this for you so you would do this. Because if the leaders of the church aren't modeling this, it won't happen. It will not happen. If I'm up here saying you need to be giving generously financially and giving in your prayers and opening up your, your home and you're like, well, RD, you never do it. Mark, you, you never do it. Then why should we be asking you to do it? And not that we do it perfectly and not that, right, um, you know, sometimes it's like we just can't have anybody over this week and, and sometimes we put money in savings. All right, those things are okay, but, but are you wrestling with how to be more generous, Right. Are you thinking about, are you thinking about that? If you're a leader, especially in this church, are you modeling that as a life group leader, right? Um, are you modeling, hey, we're generous. We don't have it all figured out. We're still trying to trust God and wrestle with what that means. But we just want to say we, we are trusting him more, more and more and more. And so we want to model this because Paul modeled it. He's saying, I work really hard. I wasn't taking from anyone. I was always giving things away, giving it all away. I wasn't a burden to anyone because I knew that God would meet all of my needs and he has you be like that you model that because this church will grow and flourish if you're generous and kind with everyone in Ephesus they will know something's different and they'll know something different at Door Creek right what if people looked at Door Creek and thought those are the generous ones right or you meet someone from Door Creek right or they meet you and it's like well Door Creek I hear you're really really generous and say, yeah, we're trying by the grace of God to be a generous people. What if we're known by that? And so I, I want to try and model that. And we, or the leaders, we want to try and model. So we're trying to do that. We want to do that more and more and say, would you follow us on this journey of becoming contagiously, outrageously, extravagantly generous? Because we cannot outgive God. We cannot be more generous than God. And Paul is saying, Here's the paradox. I've been giving and giving and giving, and yet I've received everything I could ever actually want from God. He's met all of my needs over and over and over again. And Paul had a pretty hard life, <laughs> shipwrecked, attacked, alone, thorn aside, and yet he always said, Jesus is sufficient for me. I'm just going to keep giving and trust that he's going to keep giving to me. Right? He's a generous man. 
and he planted generous churches. And because of that, we are here today, and we want to follow in that. And so Paul is saying, hey, guys, remember the gospel. Remember your true inheritance. Secondly, he's saying, I modeled it. I showed you the way. Would you then model it to your people that you would raise up generous elders, generous pastors, and they would keep modeling it? And last thing he says is he just kind of lays it out there and he says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that's kind of the heart of the paradox. And we just want to explore our final few minutes here. What, why is this? Why is it more blessed to give than receive? And when I say that, I mean not just giving randomly, but giving in a sense to the kingdom of God. Giving not just financially, hear me, not just financially and not, not only to the local church. Though I think it's central, I talked about this last week, that as part of what you're giving financially, it needs to be to the local church. Because nonprofits are great, Emily and I give to them. Missionaries, amazing, we support them, right? We give to them. But the local church is the hope of the nations. It's the, the institution which God established. And so we need to be giving to that. If you're part of the family of Door Creek, if you consider this your home church, right, then you need to be giving to support the ministry of this church in proclaiming the name of Jesus and seeing the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. But it doesn't only mean give to the church, right? It's not that you can't give anywhere else, but it should be a part, a part of that. And so in what ways can we be people who are giving to the things of God, to the things of the Lord, to the kingdom of God? How can we be giving in, in that way instead of just being consumers and being takers? And so I came up with nine things, and uh, hopefully these are, these are helpful, maybe even if we just pick out a few of them. And so I've been trying to model these as well in my own life and with Emily and um, just by God's grace, trying, trying to do it, right? Trying to do it. So why is it more blessed to give than receive? Number one, it's the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus. Paul says, the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And so when we are following Jesus, we're always following joy. When we follow Jesus, we're always following joy joy. To follow in the way of Jesus is to be someone who's always giving over to others because that, that's what he did. Where do you see Jesus in the gospels? Where do you see him taking? Where do you see him consuming? Where do you see him going out of his way to just take things from people, right? Jesus doesn't show up at a house party and say, all right, it's all mine, even though it is, right? Even though it's all his, he doesn't say, hey, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Where's your offering? Where's your tithe? Here we go. Okay, now we can eat because I took everything. It's all mine, guys. Right? Jesus never does that. He sits down, he eats, he listens, he gives his time, he gives his ears, he gives his words. He's always generous in all kinds of, of ways. It's the way of Jesus. And if we are following Jesus, we're following after joy. Not always easiness, right? Not always kind of our version of personal happiness or fulfillment, but we're following after deep, abiding joy, that, that if, if we are people who are giving versus just taking and receiving, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And that is taking on joy itself. That's number one. Secondly, why it's more blessed to give than receive, it, it frees my heart from the grip of consumerism and materialism. It, it, it frees my heart from the kingdom of this world because there's always a battle going on in our hearts between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God that's trying to break in 
and wrestle away, right, my heart from it, it being belonging to this world sometimes. And so when we give away, right, when we have our, um, our paycheck comes in, you know, or we get a raise, um, right, last week I talked about how, you know, I was going through this epiphany and, and I said, why don't we just start giving more away? And Emily was like, well, why, why don't our tax returns this year, why don't our tax refund, why don't we just give that all away? And my immediate reaction was like, Oh, that's not what I mean. <laughs> right? And even in the, after going through all of this, talking about how I want to be more generous, Emily throws out this great suggestion, and my immediate reaction is just, ah, but ah, what about that vacation? And what about that thing? None of those bad, I don't want to go and like, buy bad things. I just want to buy things, and there's this grip in our hearts. And so if I were to say, right, if Emily suggested that, and I were to say, mate, let's really consider that. Let's pray about that. And maybe the Lord directs us to give that to Door Creek or to, to, to give that to a, a local nonprofit or, or an international nonprofit to help with refugees or, or, or something, right? But that wasn't my first reaction because the grip of consumerism and mine and mine and mine is still on me. And so when your first reaction is say, let's just give it away, if God wills that, if the Spirit of God is saying give, it frees your heart from the prison of the kingdom of this world being dominant. And it just says, I just, I just want to give it away if the Lord wills. Right? The Lord may say, hey, use that money for a great vacation for you and your spouse. That's awesome. So you should enjoy that. Enjoy my creation. Right? You shouldn't feel guilty about that. God can and does do that. But if, that's, if you're thinking it's all about me and doing that, right? then that's where the kingdom of this world is just having more control. So it frees my heart from the grip of consumerism and materialism. Thirdly, it allows the kingdom of God to come through me. God cannot do work with hands and hearts like this. Right? If you're listening, I just have my hands in, in, in fists here. Right? The kingdom of God cannot come through. How can the blessing of God, how can the will of God, how can the purpose of God come through hands and hearts like this? And so right, the world is losing out because though you should be an ambassador of the kingdom, we're living like this. And so the kingdom of God can't come through us and change the kingdom of this world. right? And so we're not making any kind of difference in the world really in how we're being generous because we're continually receiving we're continually receiving. And so um, when, when we're giving of our, of our time, of our, of our money, um, of, our, of our home, of our hospitality, it's allowing the kingdom of Jesus to flow through us and then to fill the earth. And that's such a good thing. But if we're not giving, if we're not being generous, then the kingdom of this world cannot flow through us and God cannot change us in the way he desires to change us because we're holding on to this world. We want to be living like this so the kingdom can flow through us and fill our neighborhood, right? our schools, our workplaces, uh, our city. Fourth, why it's more blessed to give than receive, it shows that Christianity is compelling and beautiful to the world. It shows that Christianity is compelling and beautiful because people from the outside are saying, wow, you guys aren't a bunch of Scrooges, right? You really believe what you say. You really are believing this, and it's beautiful and compelling how you're giving, how you're just pouring out for the sake of others. I've never seen anything like it. Why, why wouldn't you think all this money is yours? You earned it. You made it. And then we could say, here's why we're giving. Here's why Door Creek want to use a lot of the money that comes in to just bless our city, to have parties for our city, to have a family fun night that's free of charge to anyone. Why? Right? That takes money. Money that you're giving helps bless hundreds of families. 
because we want to see people, oh, how, how are you providing for them? We don't have to pay anything to come and enjoy this? No, because we want to demonstrate to you that our faith is compelling and beautiful. And for the world to not just see, oh, Christians, they come to church, they don't really give, it doesn't really make any difference, and then they go out into the world and they judge everyone. <clears throat> no. As we're giving in all kinds of ways, radically giving, giving when, when people aren't even asking for it or when they're actively like saying no. It's crazy that we're just, we're just always giving, giving, and giving. And it makes people think, wow, your faith actually is beautiful. It's compelling because you just seem free. You seem liberated from this world. Well, tell me, tell me more about that. And how many people do you think are just, um, and maybe you listening, watching, you're just, you're, your hands, your heart is like this and you're actually exhausted. You're actually really anxious. And God says, it's not a beautiful faith that you're portraying to the world. Open up your hands and your heart. Let people see how beautiful Jesus is, how precious he is, and be compelled by our lives. Oh, fifthly, it allows um, me to continually trust God to meet all of my needs. Right? By, by giving, giving, and, and giving, it allows God to be the one that you're truly receiving, the one that you're truly, right? His, his, he is meeting all of your needs. And we're just continually giving. It, it allows us to continually trust that God's going to meet all of our needs. When we give our money away, when we give our time away, when we give things in our, our house away, right? Whatever it, it is, we give a bedroom away so someone can stay in, in it. Whatever it is, it, it's just showing that we trust God to provide for all of our needs, we trust him, right? We're going to take him at his word. As Mark said, we're going to actually trust him and take him at his word. We're going to test God and say, God, I really want to live for you wisely and steward these things wisely. You, you're going to have to meet all my needs. Do you think God's going to say, well, I'm not going to do that. This whole thing was just a joke about you trusting me. I'm not actually going to provide for you. No, he's always going to provide for you. But if you're always receiving and always taking, how is your faith and trust in God growing? Well, the answer is it's not growing, Right? Because we're not trusting. And this has been so true in my life, in the past month of my life, where God's just shown me, RD, yeah, you're, you're following me, but you're not really growing in your trust or faith because you're holding on to so many things still. You're actually receiving a lot more than you're giving. We need to switch that. You need to be giving and giving and, and giving. Number six it's more blessed to give than receive because it creates a life of thanksgiving and gratitude. A life of thanksgiving and gratitude is, is created by giving and giving and giving. Because what you're saying is that everything I have is a gift. Everything God has given me is all his grace. My clothes, right, a gift, right? It's all grace. You, you did not control when you were born. You did not control where you were born. You, you do not control anything. Everything God has given you is by his grace, that it would well up into us, into thanksgiving and praise to God, and then flow out towards other people and say, none of this is actually mine. It's for, it's for the world. And so, um, as John Anderson said in one of his messages recently, he said, um, grateful people are generous people. And I think that's so true. If we're grateful, if we don't see everything that we have acquired as ours, it's going to make us people who are exceedingly thankful and grateful. And hopefully as you thought about Thanksgiving and what you were thankful for, I don't think few of us probably actually said, even if we're thinking it, I don't think many of us said, I'm thankful for what I've built. 
I'm thankful that I, that I use the mind that I made myself have, right? And the energy that I gave myself and the heartbeat that I continue, I make my own heartbeat. Like, look what I did this year. I made all, I'm thankful for me, right? We wouldn't say that, but many of us live in that reality because we're not continually thanking God and being grateful to God. Maybe at Thanksgiving we are, right? Or in the holidays we are, or when things kind of blow up, we're thankful for what we have. But continual thanksgiving and gratitude is marked by someone who's always giving, giving, giving because they know God's going to keep meeting their needs and everything they have is actually the Lord's. And God's given it to us for his glory. Number seven, it makes us more like Jesus. It makes us more like Jesus. Not only is it the way of Jesus, but it makes us more like Jesus. We are never more like Jesus than when we're giving, than when we're being generous, because we're following him and we're being molded into his image. This is why I think sharing is not just caring, though that's a sweet phrase. Sharing is holy. To give something to someone else is a holy act because it's who God is at his essence. I love when our girls, when they, when they share, which is rare, but it happens. It happens there um, almost two. There'll be two actually uh, January 1st, which is hard, hard to believe. Time flies. But we're teaching them now to share, right? Because kids are not born learning to share. They're born stealing and saying mine. And so our girls will kind of be like, mine, right? They learn that. And I'm like, really? You bought that? <laughs> right? You paid, you paid for that coloring book? Right? You made that? You, you got all the stickers out and put them on the wall? You, you did that. This is all yours? You can't give it to your sister? Right? And I mean, I'm not actually saying this to them because they'd be looking at me blankly like they do most of the time. Um, most of the time anyway. And it's amazing, though, when we'll say, hey, Maisie, share with your sister. Actually share with her. And Maisie will stop, and you can see her stop, and then she'll actually take a book or a cup, and she'll go over, and she'll give it to her, to her sister. And I just think, man, that's so beautiful and so profound. And they don't even know anything about what they're doing, but I see it. And as their father, I just delight in that, right? It almost makes me well up in tears the first time I saw it happen. I just thought, this is a beautiful, holy act. You're sharing, and you're saying, it's not mine, a two-year-old. Right? And I'm getting emotional. How do you think our father feels when we share, when we're generous with our lives? He probably says, you're, you're getting it, right? You're understanding it. And it brings me such joy because it actually is bringing you joy. But this is how I have wired you. This is how I made you to give. And if I'm delighting in seeing my two-year-old daughter share, if it brings me such deep joy because I think you're in a small way, you're understanding, nothing's really yours. You can give it to your sister, how do you think God feels when we share? It's making us more like Jesus. Man, maybe the most radical thing that, that we can do sometimes is just share our stuff. And so sharing is, sharing is holy. It's a holy act. It makes us more like Jesus when we give, give, give. The final two. Um, are why is it more blessed to give than receive? Because giving can heal the world. Giving can heal, heal the world. It, it will heal the world, right? It, if, if the point of all of this is for the world to be healed, and we believe as followers of Jesus, this world is not going to evaporate. It's not going to go away. The world will be healed. It's really going to be healed through our giving. And financial giving is part of that. It's one part of that. Um, what's, what's also part of that, though, is um, 
is giving in all kinds of ways. Our, our time, our, our homes, right? This is going to push back uh, what's evil and what's, and what's dark and, and, what's, and what's bad, right? Giving will heal the world. It'll, it'll make the world right because the enemy, his plan is to just take from the world, is to keep saying it's yours, it's all yours. Think of it that way, it's yours. But we can't live like that. We can't be people like that. And so if we want to be givers, when we're giving, every single act of giving is for the healing and the restoration of the world because the central act in all history was Jesus Christ giving himself up for us. That began the new story of recreation in the world where all that was dark is now becoming light. And so now as followers of Jesus in his footsteps, when we give, we're saying we want the world to be healed through our money. We want the world to be healed through our homes. We want the world to be healed by how we're just sharing our stuff. We think this is actually going to heal the world because everyone else in the world is just taking. They're just using it. They're just using people. They're using money. They're using things for their own glory. And the world is more fractured and is more broken and is bleeding and bleeding and bleeding, right? And the way we use people of God are using our money, our time, our talents, our treasure, our prayers is for the healing and the restoration of the world, right? Giving will heal the world. And day by day, the choices we make will create the world that God longs for because the kingdom of God is coming through us, filling us and flooding and filling the earth. And that's great and glorious news. It's more blessed to give than receive because giving will heal, will heal the fracturing of the world. Finally, if you're not tired from all of these, um, number nine this is the last one. Giving is what we will be doing for eternity. It's what we'll be doing for eternity. Right? This is what eternity will, will, be, will be about. We'll be always giving to each other, being generous towards each other. And so here we just see again, it all comes full circle. We're inhaling grace and we're exhaling giving and gratitude. And what comes from giving is gratitude. This is what we will be doing for all of eternity. Karl Barth, he said this, grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice and echo. Gratitude follows grace as thunder lightning. Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. In the eternal kingdom, in the new heaven and the new earth, you and I will spend all of our lives being mesmerized by the grace of Jesus, seeing him face to face, and we will be in a continual world of giving generously to each other without expectation of return because we're in the world that God has um, created and recreated for us. And so if this is what we're going to be doing for eternity, giving to each other, there's not going to be any money in the new heaven and earth as far as I'm aware of, right? We, we won't need it, right? But we'll be giving in all kinds of ways then. We're not going to be taking, right? Heaven is not going to be a place where you're just taking from other people. Mine, right? This is my house, Right? Can you imagine the new heaven and new earth? You say, this is my house. This is my home. Don't come in here. My stuff. <laughs> no. Everyone who is there will be spending all of their time being generous and giving. And so, guys, if it's what we're going to be doing for eternity, if it's what we're wired for, then we should do it now. Because that means that what is eternal is actually going to break through right now. It's going to be unbelievably pro found.
So there are the nine things. Only nine. You're saying only nine. I, okay. Thank you, R.D. <laughs> it's the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus. It makes us more like Jesus. And so um, as we just kind of hopefully think about that, I went, I went through that really fast, but as we, as we think about these things, as you think about kind of this here, as we kind of wrap this, this whole um, thing, thing up, I, I, want, I want, if, you, if you're sitting here, you're sitting there um, and thinking, I, God, I hear all of that, you know, but I just don't know. I just feel like behind all of it, it's just a money pitch. You just want money to build a bigger church. And I hope what you heard me say last week is still true. I do not care about uh, building more donors to make an awesome church to impress people who drive by. <laughs> please, please no. What I care about, what we care about is building more disciples who want to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and your money is central to that. But that's primary, right? That becoming a disciple of Jesus who's giving away versus receiving is the central concern of my heart, of Paul's heart, of the heart of Jesus. And so if, if you're nervous, if you're like, ah, just the whole time, I just know at some point they're going to start charging me to come in here. Please stop being so cynical. I say in love. And stop and say, not because R.D. said it, not because Mark said it, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you have an obligation to wrestle with the words of Jesus. It starts with the heart, guys. This is not a guilt trip. This is not about be doing it grudgingly. I, right? If you're giving out of guilt, that is not healthy. If you're giving grudgingly, because here's another message on giving, we've got to give, right? No, that's not healthy either. What God wants cheerful givers, glad givers, gospel givers. That's been the heart of this series, that, that we would be generous in our words, that, that we would be affirming um, with how we talk about people and talk to people, that we'd be generous in our prayers. Maybe you could just start there by being generous in how you, how you pray, right? As you even, maybe as you give money away, you pray over the money you give away and where God's going to use that for his kingdom. You're generous, of course, in your finances, we're generous in our time. We're generous in our hospitality. We're generous in our deeds, especially towards the poor, right? We even think about how we're using our money, what organizations we're supporting, uh, what, what companies we're supporting by how we're using our, our, our money. Look about where your money is actually, where is it actually, um, where is it going? Five Five minutes after you die, what will you wish you would have given away while you were still alive? Five minutes after you die, right, when you see Jesus face to face, do you think you'll really say, I wish I would have kept more? Or do you think you'll say, why didn't I give even more away? Why didn't I really trust? Why didn't I really believe it's more blessed to give than receive? Right? Why don't we live right now in light of that reality? And saying one day for all followers of Christ, we will see him face to face. And in that moment, we will wonder, why didn't we just give it all? We trust you, Lord. We believe in you, Lord. Use us in all kinds of ways to be people who are known as the generous ones, as the givers and not the receivers, for the healing of the world. Oh, would God do that? Would we be contagiously generous that the world would be changed 
and all the glory would be God's. Let me pray. Our Father, we're thankful that, that you are the ultimate cheerful giver. You're the one who gives to us outrageously and exceedingly. And I pray for all, for all of us. Um, if we've never heard a message like this, if we're offended by a message like this, if we're thinking, I can't wait to start down this journey of being more contagious wherever we are, Father, I just pray we would just stop from rushing to the next step and just meditate on who you are on what would it really look like to be someone who is giving and not receiving. And Father, always help us be receivers of grace in the gospel. Help us remember our true inheritance. That can never be taken away from us. And if we're receiving that, help us just be exporting generosity to the world. Father, by your spirit, you will speak to everyone here what you long for us to do if we're open to it, God. Would our, would our fists go from being clenched to being open? And Father, would you use us to heal the world and to bring you glory? What a paradox indeed. In the name of your son, Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.